We're actually going to start with kind of a, an intro segue passage in Acts 27. That's we're going to go there. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are crucified, risen, reigning, uh, coming again, redeemer. There's no one like you. Give us your help now and focus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Have your way so your word comes back to you, not void. comes back to you bearing fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things I love about our God is that our God loves to turn the tables. He loves to turn the tables. And uh, we need that pretty often in our lives, right? Um, often when circumstances look bleak or when painful or confusing things have happened in our lives, God will work for our good and turn the tables in our favor, sometimes in dramatic fashion, to bless us uh, for the blessing to come to us, and sometimes, many times, for the blessing to come to someone else nearby who needs to see the one true God in all his glory. So God, will God allow painful, confusing, difficult things to happen to me in my life? Yes, he will. In his love and goodness, yes. For my benefit, sometimes for my benefit. Sometimes for the benefit of someone near to me who needs to see God working in my difficult situation. Say glory. Okay. The hard thing for us is to be glad for that and willing to let God do that in our lives. <laughs> now in Acts chapter 27, I could pick up a hundred different examples of this in Scripture, right? But this one came to mind, so let's use it. Acts chapter 27, verse 39 is where we're going to begin. This is a great story. Paul is in, on a prison ship. It's all prisoners of the Roman Empire. They're being shipped to Rome. Uh, many of them to stand before Caesar someday and have their case heard before Caesar himself. On the way, a horrible, terrible storm hits, and they're doing, the sailors and the captain doing everything they can to keep the ship afloat. For 14 days, this storm beats them around the Mediterranean Sea. 14 days. So we pick it up here as towards the end of the storm. Chapter, Acts chapter 27, verse 39. This is the 14th day. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable. The stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan, listen to this, the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. Can you imagine the, the chaos and the fear, the bedlam in this situation? Verse 43, but the centurion, the ruling Russian, uh, Russian, <laughs> Roman soldier, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. How'd you like me? I can swim. Who wants to jump overboard in that situation? Uh, those who could swim jump overboard first and make for the land. The rest on planks or on pieces of the ship as it was breaking up. So it was that all were brought, say it with me, 
safely to land. And Paul had told them, if you will listen to me, God's given me insight here. If you listen to me, we'll all, we'll all make it to land alive. And they didn't want to listen to him, but they finally did. So chapter 28. So this is a pretty crummy situation, right? Um, you just barely survived a 14-day storm and crashed on the rocks. You, if you could swim or couldn't swim, you made it to land. Uh, terrible situation. Then it gets even worse for Paul. Chapter 20, verse 1. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it began to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on a fire, a viper, what do we call it, what? A poisonous snake. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on Paul's hand with his what? With his fangs. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, he be dead. He be dead. No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, whoever shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. <laughs> Can you imagine that? People are like, probably taking bets. You know, I'll give him 30 seconds. i give him two minutes. They're taking bets, maybe. Waiting for him to swell up suddenly or fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. So I'm just, I'm just going through this whole thing because um, turning the tables, shipwreck almost died. Bit by a poisonous snake, should have died. What's God doing? Is God in this thing? Is God allowing these things to happen? He for sure is. For what purpose? For say with me. For what purpose? Here's the purpose. So in the neighborhood of that place that were lands belonged to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. Paul visited him and prayed, putting his hands on him, healed him. When this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured, wouldn't you? They also honored us greatly. When we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Say this next just phrase with me. After three months, we set sail. What was God's purpose in all of that trial and tribulation and shipwreck? Fourteen days buffered about. God wanted to land on that island, on that side of the island, on that particular beach. Uh, allowed the snake, the viper, to bite Paul, should have killed him, it didn't. Set up all these things so that he could bring healing to Publius's father, open the door for the gospel, and then because of weather and, and all different kinds of circumstances, they had to sit there for three months. What was Paul doing during those three months? Sharing the gospel, teaching, preaching, disciple, building up. There's still Christians on the island today. You can watch that great documentary. They think they found the anchors that they cut loose. They found anchors from the Roman period offshore of Malta. Um, so God turned the tables, saved his life, but he had, for what purpose? The whole purpose was to save the people on the island and uh, to release the gospel in a powerful fashion. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Keep in mind Ephesians, the people, the city, 
This is where they filled up an auditorium, kind of like US, US Bank, you know, 50, 60,000 people. And they all shouted, great is Artemis of the Ephesians for two hours, screamed and yelled because they were afraid that their idol God was going to be um, taken away by the, the gospel preached in Jesus by Paul. So this is Ephesians. He's writing to the, the Christians who live there. So it's amazing to keep that in context. The believers living in Ephesus, do they have it sweet and easy? They're surrounded by idolatry. They're surrounded by people who wanted to take Paul and string up by his thumbs and kill him. Um, it's a difficult place to be a believer. So chapter 1, verse 15, Paul writes, For this reason, the reason that follows, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, everybody's saying they got it going on. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself. They got it going on. He says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That's pretty sweet, right? Uh, I mentioned to you, when I'm on vacation, uh, it's hard for me to go on vacation because I want to be here. <laughs> Sometimes we're on vacation, the way it works out, um, Sunday morning we're over there. We try not to do that because it's really, really hard. So we go somewhere else to worship or something like that. But I want to be here because this is the people God has sent us to. You are the people we love. You love us back. We're not perfect, amen. But we work on this pretty hard. We love and we give grace to each other. We're working together, doing things for the gospel. All this is experiencing body life. But I, I feel like Paul here, he says, man, when I, whenever I think about you guys, I remember you in my prayers because you love the Lord and you love your neighbors. You love the people of the congregation. We're reaching out to the community. Uh, this is the place to be. This is what it's all about. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now you can stretch this out with a literal translation. The Father who deserves or receives, the, the one who alone should receive glory. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. i got to admit, this, this is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. When I read this, when I, when I read it out loud, I just I take it hard and I go, God, I hardly ever pray like that. Teach me how to pray like this. He yes, is, it's right here in Scripture. What can we, what can you say? I don't know, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Well, let's use some prayers in the Bible, shall we? How powerful is this prayer to pray for each other in the congregation? Listen to it. That God may give you, oh God, I pray that you give the people of Dell and the people of Christian church all around the world, but the people of Dell give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. If we all, we do, but if we all prayed that for each other and we went deeper and deeper and deeper in the knowledge of Christ, revelation of who he is, what he does and what he's doing in our lives and in our mission right now, the greater things that would happen, it's hard to imagine. I don't know what we can imagine. But this is how he prays, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, knowing by experience. 
Not knowing things about Jesus, that's pretty easy to do, right? I was just in the jail Bible study Friday. I said, you know, we're talking about knowing or knowing Jesus. And I said, we know things about President Biden, right? If you walk down the street, we, we recognize him. But when he go, hey, Joe. Would he say, would he look across the street and go, hey, Joe, would I say to him, hey, Joe, how you doing? No, we don't know each other personally like that. This is the thing. You can know lots of things about Jesus. That's great. We must know him personally as Son of God, Savior, Lord, every day, Lord and King. So Paul prays this. This is what uh, Paul's great prayer for the congregation May God give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge, the growing knowledge of Jesus. So if you, gee, that's lots of big words, okay? Just boil it down. Father, help us to get to know Jesus better. Better and better. Glory, right? Can you do that? So yeah, I can do that. Okay? Simple, powerful. Amen? So he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, the revelation, the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay. When the Bible uses hearts, we think of emotional center here, right? Our feelings. When the Bible uses hearts, it includes the mind and the will, the thoughts and the actions. It's a package deal in the Hebrew mind. Okay? So when Paul says here, that he prays for us that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened. He's saying that our whole conscious, thinking, feeling, soul, that everything about who we are would be enlightened, would come to see and know more, that you may know, and he's going to tell us three things. He's going to pray for three things. So Paul says, in this moment for you in Ephesus, I am praying three things, that God might open your spiritual eyes to see and know at a deeper level about Christ, things to receive from Christ. So we say three things. Three things. Three point sermons. Three point sermons. Sounds good. <laughs> um, I never got trained in three point sermon center. I guess it was a big deal. Paul does it right here. So he's going to give us three things. Verse eighteen: having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Anybody want to have their heart, their the eyes of their heart enlightened this morning? Maybe that's why you come on Sunday mornings. You're like. I want to hear something new and fresh from the word that I need to know, that will, will add to my knowing Christ. Here we go. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know, number one, what is the hope to which he has called you. Paul wants you to know the hope to which Christ has called you. What's the ultimate hope to which Christ has called you? Heaven itself and eternity in his presence. Why is, why is that number one? You say, well, that's out there somewhere. I'm not going to die today. You don't know that. Sorry. Why is that out there? Why is it number one, the hope of our calling, heaven, eternity, walking with Jesus? Because when I'm having a really, really, really bad day or a bad week or a bad month or heaven forbid, a bad year, do I need, do I need to know that there's something out there walking with Jesus is going to result in that's going to be glorious? Can that help me? So the Bible talks about lifting up our heads to God. Lift up. So it's time to lift up to the, the hills. Can somebody here help me? Maybe. Uh, let's keep lifting up our heads to the one who made the heavens and the earth. Because we know we're up there. 
So if it's about having eternal vision, so when I'm having a really rough time, one of the things that can help me is lift up my head. Lord Jesus, refresh you and empower the hope I have in my calling. I know my eternal destination. And you're going to get me there. Right? So number one, what's he praying for that our hearts can line about? That we know the hope to which God has called us. Number two, that we would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. There's so many things. We just want to throw out some verbally. What are some of the glorious riches of our inheritance you're looking forward to? Throw some out. How about never, never feeling guilty ever again? There's no more sin. It's part of the riches of our inheritance. What else? We're getting to in Revelation. No more mourning. No more grief. No more crying and the pain and suffering in the moment. No more death. I wonder what funeral home director is going to do in China. That's what we're saying. Won't have a need for that. Um, some of the glorious riches of our inheritance we're enjoying now, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because the riches goes on. To, to be loved in a way that we can't imagine, that we aren't worthy of, in a way that just enthralls us. So Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened so that you can know three things. First, what's the hope that God has called you to have in eternity? Two, where are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And the third one, which you spend a whole bunch of time expounding on, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Immeasurable greatness of his power. That's why with the kid talk, we used a, a bone picture of the resurrection. Here's why. The immeasurable greatness of his power. And where does God use his power? Where does he send his power? Who is, who is his power for? It's for who? Toward us. Are you shocked? Are you amazed? Who is the power of God for? It's for you and me. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Oh yeah? Christ is risen. <laughs> that moment is one of the moments when God used his great power to the greatest majesty and strength he's ever done it. I think creation's got to be out there too, right? Let there be trillions of planets and stars and galaxies. That's got to be a big, powerful thing, right? But here Paul says the resurrection of Jesus is the most powerful thing God has done. And that power God is using toward us who believe. We're kind of surprised by that, aren't we? Like, seriously? 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So it takes a lot of power to raise Jesus from the dead. Why? Because he was the most dead man that's ever been. What kills? The wages of sin is death. Sin kills. So why was Jesus the most dead man that was ever dead? Because he had all the sin of all humanity in So raising him back to life, that would be the hardest thing ever. But not only that, so that power to raise him from the dead, it also took great power to seat him at the right hand of God in heavenly places. And here's where I titled the sermon, verse 21. So God raises him from the dead. Jesus, it's, it's interesting, the Bible says the Father raised him, it also says Jesus raised himself, in a sense. So I'd say it's a partnership deal. It's a co-op deal. Amen? So he rises from the dead, and then he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Verse 21 says, what is that place? What's it like now for Jesus? Verse 21. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. So the greatest, most powerful um, human ruling and authority power you can imagine, even Satan himself, he's pretty powerful. The, the most powerful entities and institutions and things you can imagine, Jesus is far above all. You say to me those three words, far above all. One more time, far, far above all. all. Uh, my biggest problem, like you, you visit Betty Schaefer, and she has this piece of paper, um, I don't know if she had a magazine or what, but she clipped it out and, and it's in her kitchen on a window that moves over here. It's always somewhere, but she moves it around so it catches her attention a lot and it says, whatever my problem is, my God is bigger. Far above all. Far above all rule, and authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named. Doesn't matter the, the name you can imagine or think of or even quote from humanity, Jesus is far above. Moses is pretty big. Jesus is far above. Elijah, fantastic miracles. Jesus is far above. King David, wow. Wrote almost all the songs, heart for worship. No man after God's own heart. Jesus is far above. The disciples, the apostles, Peter, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Oh, man, he's massive. Jesus is far above. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. We're up there in heaven. We're never going to bump into somebody whose name is above Christ. We're never going to bump into somebody. Even the angels, seraphim, cherubim, they have six wings. They fly around the throne as the Holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty. Wow, they're, they're, they're amazing. Yes, they are. Jesus is far above. Not only the sage, but also in the age to come. And he, God, the Father, put all things under Jesus' feet. Let me say glory. All things under Jesus' feet. Gave him Jesus as head over all things to the church. This, the, the word church here means to the fellowship, to the, the gathering of believers. God the Father gave Jesus to us as a gift. What kind of gift? To be our head. 
so we don't run around like chickens without mm -hmm. we do some of that sometimes anyway because we're we're silly but god gave us a gift a gift that we desperately needed who's the head of del lutheran church christ jesus is the head okay so pastor the word means shepherd uh, when we want to hang out with the elders, that means shepherd, that word too, the nuance on it. We call ourselves under shepherds. Who's the great shepherd? Who's the head of this congregation? To be Jesus. We try to just let ourselves listen to the Lord and try to follow his lead. It ain't about Pastor Joe, it ain't about the elders, it ain't about the council, it ain't about anybody else here. It's about Jesus following him. Follow in the way, trying to do his will by his guidance. God the Father put all things under Jesus' feet, gave him, Jesus as the head over all things, to the church, hallelujah, which is his body. This is cool. Jesus love us? Yeah. Jesus, does he actually do ministry in and through us? We are his hands and his feet and his mouth. And I've always said I'm the, I'm the nose here in the body of Christ. Whatever part of the body you are, you're part of the body, and Jesus is the head, and he loves working in and through you to impact the world around us, to impact people around us, which is his body, the congregation of the church, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and he says, Remember that day when they filled the, the outdoor theater and they chanted for two hours praise and worship to their dead idol made out of metal? Remember that day? How they just screamed and shouted their need for a savior for two straight hours? And how in their, their bloodlust for an idol they had true thoughts about killing you, putting you to death. Remember that day? I'm praying for you that you would know more and more and more Jesus face to face, life to life, heart to heart. And three things that you would know the hope he's calling you to. So even if they should take your physical life, that's okay, you win. You've got heaven. Secondly, that you would know the glorious riches. Don't feel like being a Christian means I have to be poor and and just get beat up all through life, and then I get good stuff. He says, no, there's glorious riches in your inheritance now, and there's more to come. And the third thing he says is, you need to know how great is God's power for you, towards you, in moments of need, in moments of glory, in moments of prayer, in answers to prayer, in miraculous things. So in the best days and the worst days, he says, know the power, resurrection power of Jesus Christ towards you from God who loves you because you're a precious part of his body. Hard days be hard. Brian's going to give testimony. Uh, he's going to today that came down feeling really comfortable. So uh, next Sunday he plans to. He's going to give testimony about having one of the worst days you can have on planet Earth. Recently for him.
had a good testimony about this guy who loves him. And met him down there in the miry pit and pulled him out with resurrection power. Saying, God has got that power and that strength for you today. Resurrection power of Jesus towards you today. For your help and for his glory. Yeah, should we pray? Mighty God, give us your Holy Spirit for revelation, for wisdom, to know our Lord Jesus better, face to face, heart to heart. Through your word, through your spirit, through life experiences with you, yes, God, more. Holy Spirit, uh, as you help us to get to know Jesus better, give us spiritual sight in our eyes to know more deeply and wonderfully about to know in greater measure how glorious are the riches of our inheritance in you. Sometimes we get excited about our inheritance that we're getting from mom and dad. We want to get gloriously excited about the riches of our inheritance in Christ. And thirdly, Father, in the good days and the really bad days and the Help us, Father, by your Holy Spirit to get to know by personal experience more and more the power of Jesus Christ for resurrection, that kind of power and strength towards us to come through victorious and more than conquerors day by day. We want to have stamina. We want to have strength. We want to stand firm in the Lord all it comes. And you be found still standing firm when Jesus comes in the clouds. Thanks, God, for giving us the resurrection power to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.